Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. The world is very offensive. Now that has not changed, but it seems that it uh, the, the heat, the pressure has certainly gone up. Have you noticed that? I know we have. I know I have. And so I wanted to talk about this because this is an issue that all of us face, all of us deal with. And we need to know what to do. How do we act? How do we react in a world like this? And so while I'm not necessarily talking about all the world issues, I am talking about our heart and we're pursuing Jesus. We want to be like him. We want to live the way that he lived. We want to respond the way that he responded. And 2 Peter chapter 2 says that he is our example. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says that we're being conformed into his image. So the reality is the situations that we face, the difficulties that we go through, the pain that we experience, everything God uses in order to conform us to his image. So we don't want to fight against that. We want to press into that. That's what this is all about, having this conversation, dealing with offense, knowing how we respond. I think these things are keys of wisdom. In fact, I would actually tell you that this is spiritual warfare. Sometimes we have a view of spiritual warfare where we're trying to attack this thing and attack that thing. A lot of fear teaching in spiritual warfare. But the reality is, is the world, the enemy, and the flesh has set itself against us to as, as we're advancing in Christ, trying to stop us from not only knowing Christ, but growing in Christ and making Christ known. And when we know that, we know what the war is about. When you know what the war is about, you know what you're looking for. These are the things that are being used against us. And I believe offense is one of the greatest tools that the enemy tries to use against us to stir controversy, to stir difficulty, to get us to be offended so that we are rendered ineffective in our relationship with God and our fruitfulness in his kingdom advancement. And so we want to attack this. We want to declare war on passivity and apathy and offense. And that's what we're doing. We're going to keep doing it. Why don't we go ahead and pray as we jump into this session today, and this lesson is called Steps to Freedom from Offense, and we're going to talk about initial steps, and I'll jump into this in just a minute, but go ahead and pray with me as we start our lesson today. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for everybody that's tuning in. As we talk about the issue of offense, I pray that you would cleanse and purify our hearts. We just declare that we want to be like Jesus, and as that is the case, we pray that you would mold us into his image so that we would look like and sound like, that we would react like Jesus would in the world that we live in. Thank you that your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We're not just trying to get better or be better. We're actually just trying to live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. So teach us how to do that. Use today's lesson for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now you might remember just a quick review. We started talking about cultivating a pure heart. Why? Because it all starts in the heart. And then I just talked to you about some of the sources of the offended heart. Why do we get offended? So I just listed nine things. There's probably so many more I wasn't even thinking about, but these were the nine that just came to me as I was sort of writing them out and thinking through them. And those things are very important for us to understand because the first step in our deliverance is always awareness. 
We cannot have a lack of awareness in that we get offended and the people walk around our lives and they have to walk on eggshells. That's not the kind of person that we want to be. It's not how Jesus was. Jesus was a person where you could settle into his loving care. Even if you said something the wrong way, I'm certain that his love and his generous nature and his grace would just cover over some of the things that come out of our mouths. And he would disciple us and he would lead us to be the people that he called us to be. His example was obviously what we were looking at and what we needed. We needed to see how he was. We don't just need words that tell us how to be. We needed an example that showed us how to be. And Jesus gave us both. He gave us both example and the way he lived, and he gave us words and what this means in an ongoing way. And so we're, we're trying to follow both, and that's what we're looking at is the person of Jesus Christ. And so we looked at the sources of offense, nine different ones. Today we want to look at what I would call initial steps to freedom. I want to talk to you about actually how we walk out an offense with a brother or sister in Christ. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to go over the entire chapter with you. Really important because there are steps there and there are some other Proverbs that fill in the gaps. But there are steps there in Luke 17, 1, Matthew chapter 18, that we cannot overlook. You cannot just be offended and say, well, you know, that person's not repentant or they don't care. The fact is the Bible tells us what to do. And either we obey the word or we don't. But we cannot ascribe motive and we cannot ascribe future response to another person if we are not obeying the word of God, even if we're the offended party. You have to give people the, the opportunity to repent. And if we don't do that, we're perpetuating cycles of offense. And we'll break the power of that when we obey the word. And we'll talk about that. Then I also want to talk to you about how to handle offense and disputes among people that are not Christians. You'll look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and other passages that give us a way to deal with people that do not have a born-again new nature from God. The Bible's clear. We have to deal with brothers and sisters in Christ differently than we do with the world. We judge each other differently than we do with the world. Why? Because we all claim to follow Jesus. And when we claim to follow Jesus, we're under one Lord. We have the same Word. We have the same Holy Spirit. And if that is the case then we have to interact with each other the same based on the word of God. And so we follow his word and not ours. We follow his will and his way and not ours. The world doesn't do that. People that don't believe in Jesus don't follow those. And so some of our logic, it is biblical logic. So to us, it makes sense. To us, this is absolutely true. But to other people, it's not necessarily the case. Now, we believe truth it's true for everyone, but they're not going to follow it. And so the Bible is very clear on how we go about some of those disputes. So we're going to talk about how to deal with offense in the church and how to deal with offense in the world. But today, initial steps to freedom. This is, again, about preparation of our heart, just sort of general principles that I think are really important. And let's be honest, when it comes to the issue of offense, the routine of dead religion is always easier than it is to have a vibrant relationship with God where we literally respond to his word and desire to be like him, right? That's going to cost us. If we want just to pursue a dead religion where we can harbor bitterness and we can stay the way we were and not enter into sanctification, we can do that, you know, but that's going to suck. That's a terrible spiritual life. We won't grow. 
And so what we're holding on to is some kind of principle or Christianity that we've adopted over the years, which is we get forgiveness for when we sin and heaven for when we die. And that honestly is just terrible. It's not real. That's not a real Christianity. A real Christianity is where Jesus is Lord and his word is our manual for life. And what it says is what we want. And if that's the case, we have to realize that we've got to remove this attachment to dead religion. And when I say religion, I mean routine. I don't mean good religion that James chapter 1 talks about. We remove ourselves from the attachment of dead religion and we grow in a vibrant relationship with God. And that's actually going to cost us our life. Jesus, he actually said that it was death to self. That's what he says here in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. And I, I want to be very clear with you about this because we're not going to get out of this one alive. Now, I want to be very careful what I mean by that, but here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. It says that he summoned the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me or follow me, he must deny himself. Another translation says dethrone themselves. You've got to get off the throne of our lives. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, the cross was that tool of execution. Everybody understood what that meant. The Romans would execute people on a cross. It was the most severe punishment for a criminal. That's why we understand when Jesus was punished this way, when Jesus was crucified, this was like the world saying, this is what we think of God. But in reality, Jesus turned that around, obviously, and his death, his crucifixion, and consequently his resurrection is what brought life to those that believe upon him. But he's saying those that want to follow me need to take up their cross and follow. And in Luke chapter 9, it says, take up their cross daily. We have to die to self. He goes on to say, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Or woman, man or woman, what will we give in exchange for our soul? What is it worth to us? Jesus says this, if you want to follow me, you got to die to self. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. That's what he's talking about. We are new creations in Christ. That means the old has passed away, and we've got to keep the old dead. In Romans, it says, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Now, here's the truth about something that's dead, right? It cannot respond. And so if we want to learn how to deal with offenses, we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin. So when sin against us produces sin in us, what that means is, is that we're still alive to it. And so it's, we've got to start in these initial steps of freedom with reckoning ourselves as dead to sin. We have to carry our cross. We can't throw the cross off us. One time I preached a sermon and I used to use props. Maybe I'll go back to that because I think visuals are really important. But I actually made a cross in my backyard. I put it all together, a real big cross. And I had somebody actually carry a cross down a center aisle of a church when I was preaching. And I talked about carrying the cross. And then as they're walking down the center aisle, there are people on their right and their left and then I asked, I asked the person to stop and I said, why don't you just throw the cross to your right or to your left? Now, if that person were to throw the cross to the right or the left, that thing was so heavy, it would have squashed a few people, right? That's what would have happened. 
And that's what actually happens when we throw the cross off of us. We're supposed to carry the cross every day, death to self, so that we can be alive to God in Christ. If we're alive in Christ, and this is this daily thing, it's daily repentance, it's daily surrender. Surrender to what? The character of Jesus, the ways of Jesus. If we throw the cross off, we're going to hurt other people. And I remember when I was preaching that message, you could see people next to the person carrying the cross. Don't throw it off. If he were to throw that cross off, they would have been hurt. But that's what happens with us every day. As Christians, when we choose not to carry the cross, or we just wake up in the morning and we choose to carry a fence instead of carry our cross, we're alive to sin. We're, and so sin against us produces sin in us. And we've got to reject that notion. We've got to say, look, no matter what people do to me, that cannot produce the person that I am. Jesus, what he did for me, has to become the truth over my life. No matter what anybody else does, there is a higher and greater truth of what Jesus has done for me has got to shatter and break what anybody else does against me. Now, you've got to make that decision, and so do I, every day of my life. Now, I already decided when I gave my life to Jesus that this is the truth of God for me, that I have decided to follow Jesus, but Jesus makes those terms very clear. We cannot decide our own terms, and that's why dead religion is, is obviously more attractive to us because then we get to hold our bitterness. We get to justify our position. We get to stay angry at all these people, all of that. But while we do that, what we're doing is we're robbing the world of a loving response from the power of the Holy Spirit, which reveals Christ in the world around us. People want to see Jesus. And often the way that they see Jesus is the way we react to the stuff that comes against us. That really is what sets us apart. It's the love that we have for one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, John 13, 35, by the love that you have for one another. Not the love that you have for God. Why? Because the love that we have for God is shown by the love we have for people. But listen, that love is shown in contrast. What does that mean? It means when all of this other stuff happens, and people typically would do X or Y, you and I don't follow that script. It says, be not do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a pattern. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. It has a way. And that's why Jesus would teach these kinds of things. He would talk about carry the cross. We have to recognize and acknowledge death to self. I'm not on the throne. I've been purchased with a price, the precious blood of Christ. This is our reality. Every day that we wake up, here's the promise. You and I are going to have tribulation and trouble in this life, and it's going to come in the form of offenses. It's going to come in the form of people that even we know. People are going to say things and do things, and those things are going to happen. And as it says in Matthew chapter 24, as the end of the age is coming to a close and and the time of Jesus' coming is drawing near, what we're going to find is that the hearts of many will grow cold or grow numb. That's what it says there in Matthew chapter 24. I think it's between verse 10 and 13. It says the hearts of many will grow cold. Their love will grow cold. The King James says wax cold. Can you get that visual in your head? It's our love, Christians, will grow cold. How? Because many will get offended. That's what it says. Many will get offended. There will be stumbling blocks, and we will allow those stumbling blocks, no matter what they are, to actually change the way that we are. 
and that cannot be the case. And so on the onset of steps of freedom from offense, we've got to acknowledge the way in humbling ourselves before God, receiving him as Lord in our life, thanking him that he's paid a price. He died in our place and he rose again. So we die in Christ and we're raised again in Christ. We have to acknowledge that very truth every day of our lives. That's what we submit to, but that's how we stay free. It's one, it's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. That's the key. The key of staying free is that you and I carry the cross. That's death to self. Dead people don't respond. They don't respond. So things, you can touch them, they ain't going to respond. I don't mean to be crude, but that's the case. And so the visual could not be clearer when Jesus uses this terminology. We cannot want freedom on our own terms. It has to be on the terms that we read in Scripture because that's what works. Amen. We cannot have something that doesn't work. What works is what we find in the Bible. I found this to be the case. You and I are living in freedom because of what Jesus gave us in Christ. But to walk that freedom out, we've got to continue to follow the principles in Scripture and obey our loving God. Psalm 119 verse 165 gives us a vision. Write this verse down. Psalm 119 verse 165. That's right. Psalm 119 has a lot of verses, probably more than any other in the Bible. I believe that's true. And he says, those who love your law have great peace. Those who love the word of God, the law of the Lord, the perfect law of God, the law of liberty, nothing causes them to stumble. Come on, let me read that again. Those who love your law have great peace. Nothing causes them to stumble. This is our vision for life. Nothing causes me to stumble. Why? Because I'm not following what people do to me. I'm not following what people say to me. I'm not just reacting out of the flesh. I am following the Word of God. So the Word of God tells me how to live. So when something else or someone else comes along and says something or does something that offends me, that cannot have power over me, even though it will affect me. I do have to deal with that, but I deal with that according to the word. And if I haven't already pre-decided how I'm going to deal with the offenses of life, then guess what? I'm going to have a problem. I'm going to have a problem no matter what I say about it. It will always happen. So I'm dead to sin. I am alive to God in Christ. Why? Because I'm a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm committed and devoted to his word, which means that I've already pre-decided that when things happen to me, I'm going to study scripture and I'm going to respond according to what the Bible says. Friends, listen, if we want a revival, we got to go back to the Bible. You know you love that rhyme. You're welcome. Go ahead and forward that, share that, post that, tweet that. Amen. We need some good tweets these days. So go ahead and share that. If we want a revival, we've got to go back to the Bible. We're not looking for goosebumps. We're not looking for feel goods. We're not looking just for some meetings that make me feel Pentecostal. We actually need to go back to to being Bible-believing Christians. That's what the world needs to see. They need to see that there are people that look like the Christ that they claim. Amen. I just went off on most of that. has nothing to do with anything that I wrote in my notes this morning, but that was free. You know it was good. I love sharing it. Let me just get into some initial steps to freedom from offense, just some principles, and then we'll go ahead and pray as God leads us. The first thing that we need to do in initially being free or staying free, even as it were, is we need to give our hearts to Jesus. Now, I talked to you about this 
in lesson one when I talked about having a pure heart. The way that we have a pure heart is that we receive a divine exchange. If we do not come to Christ, if we do not give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're not going to deal with offense and have freedom. It will not happen. It, at, at best, we will, we will basically, you know, on the outward, we'll not respond or react, but on the inward, we'll just, that, that thermometer will just go up to 150 degrees, right? We will be just stirred and stewing on that thing, churning, and eventually we will pop. But listen, Jesus is the one that sets us free from the inside, not just from the outside, not just teaches us to fold our hands and act like good Christians. He from the inside out can set us free, but we have got to become Christians. We've got to give our hearts to Jesus because he is God and he gave his life for us and he calls us to eternal life. And so this is step number one. The Bible says that when we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us a new heart, says it in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, says it all over the New Testament when it says in 2 Corinthians 5, behold, all things are new. We are new creations in Christ. And that actually means we are new. We're going to be eternal beings. And the Holy Spirit lives in us, has given us a new heart, a new nature. And we are learning how to live in the new nature that God has given us, taking authority over every evil impulse or compulsion or that which comes from the flesh, that which is we are tempted with in this, in this life. And so we've got to give our lives to Jesus and learn how to live out the newness of life, which he has given us through the Holy Spirit. The second thing is we need to acknowledge that we are offended. Now, I know this is very simple, and I told you these are initial steps. These are not uh, the things that are going to necessarily get us all the way to dealing with a brother or sister in Christ or the world when we have real and major disputes. But you have to acknowledge if something has happened and you're offended, stop avoiding it and stop acting like it's not there. If it is there, if the sting of it is there, then you have to acknowledge it. I would share it with you like this. Several years ago, I was learning to work out and lift weights, and uh, I just went a little overboard. You know, I did these things called squats and deadlifts, which I don't think are from God. That's my opinion. Not interested in doing those anymore in my life whatsoever. God bless you if you're into that. I understand, and I bless you in Jesus' name. Pray that you don't get hurt. But I was doing these things called squats, and I was on my third set, and I was going down, I think, number nine. I'm going down doing this squat, and I remember I felt like fire go through my stomach, just all the way down my midsection, just went all the way down, like real quick, like, like that. And uh, I mean, it felt like fire, and I literally fell to the ground, all right? And I was really hurt. Now, I stayed there for about a minute, maybe two. It felt like forever, but I got back up, and I felt okay. I felt like, okay, this isn't that bad. This was several years ago, and, um, and so I ended up finishing up. I went home, now, I went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning, and I remember I literally just went to turn over. And as I turned over, I couldn't move. I could not move my midsection. I could not move the, the upper parts of my legs, my thighs. I could not move. I was in so much pain. I had to crawl out of my bed and onto the floor. That's how bad that it really was. <laughs> Squats. Anyways, something had happened in my stomach when I was doing that, that was obviously wrong. Now, maybe I was doing it wrong, all of that, but something happened. It took about four to six months for me to recover fully, and it was progressive. I mean, I couldn't even walk for longer than 10, 20 minutes without pain starting to occur in a way that was really hindering me. 
So I lived in pain for that period of time. And I remember like six months later, I had been praying over this. I received prayer. And uh, you just sort of modify your life when you have something like this happen because you need to recover. Six months later, long story short, six months later, I woke up and I remember that I was like, I just one day I'm like, oh, wow, I don't feel any pain. And it was that one day where I just realized that pain that I had experienced and the recovery process was complete. I had no more pain and that feeling that I had was no longer there. So here's the thing. I can remember what it felt like, but I cannot feel it. So if you were to ask me, how do I know if I'm carrying an offense? Because I'm telling you that you need to acknowledge that you're offended. If you can still feel the sting of it, if you can still feel the pain of it, like I'm referring to in my stomach, a physical pain, but let's just use that as an illustration. If you can still feel the sting of it, then it's still there. If you can remember that it happened and that it was painful, but you don't feel the pain of it, then God has brought you through a time of recovery. He has brought healing into your life. This is really important when we think through this and pray about it because healing does not mean that we forget it. Healing means that we can remember it, but we're not living by it, and the pain of it is still not nagging at us. But if that pain is still prominent in our lives, then we still have healing that God wants to do. First step, you got to acknowledge denial is not your friend, right? And so this is really important that we realize change begins where we are and not where we think we are, not where we want to be. Sometimes people use the principle of avoidance. That is not from the Word of God. You do not need to avoid anything. In fact, there is nothing spiritual about avoiding stuff, acting like it's not real. That is not real, okay? You have to live in reality. There is a higher reality in that Jesus helps us to heal. But in order for Him to help us heal, we've got to give to Him those places in our lives. And this sometimes is a confusing point because people have like this theology that if I acknowledge something, then I'm giving it power. If you don't acknowledge it, you're giving it power because you're living out of it. When it's there and it's a part of us and the sting is there, to avoid it or to not acknowledge it is actually to give it power and place in our lives. It's just, it's like avoiding something that is very dysfunctional and very unhealthy. When you avoid something, it gets worse. It really does. If you avoid that hard conversation that you need to have with a person, does it get better? No. Avoidance is a liar. Avoidance makes us think that because we don't talk about it or deal with it, somehow it's really not there and it's not that bad. That's just not true because the day we deal with it, we will have let more time transpire, more controversy, more chaos, more difficulty, more questions. And when that day comes, guess what will happen? more pain as a result of it. We're just stacking bricks of pain, building a bigger wall. And when that wall comes down, it's gonna be heavier and it's gonna be harder. And so we wanna kick that wall down when it's two feet instead of 20 feet, right? We don't wanna to have to walk around that barrier, that wall of offense, like it's the city of Jericho. It's gonna take six days and crumble down and kill a lot of people. We wanna walk around a two-foot fence and kick it down ourselves because God's given us the principles and the tools we need to deal with that. So do not deny, acknowledge it. Our inaction, our avoidance, or our sinful action is robbing us and others of loving response. Jesus teaches us to move in the opposite spirit, no matter how people treat us, right? And so we acknowledge that we are offended. Number three is we must choose the heart of Christ 
toward those who offend us. All right, we're called to follow Jesus. He's our example. What was his heart? Well, let's look at this passage. When Jesus was on the cross, something that he says to the Father gives us insight into his heart. Here's what it says, Luke 23, verse 33. They came to the place called the skull, which is where they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus was crucified with these two criminals. Jesus said, and this is when they've crucified him, they've put him up there as a criminal, he's done nothing wrong, he's innocent completely and totally. And he says, Father, forgive them, these people that are hurling insults, people that have beat him, people that have rendered him not innocent, but guilty of everything conceivable. They're treating an innocent one, God, fully God, fully man, they're treating him as a thief or a criminal or somebody that's been part of the insurrection against the city of or the empire of Rome, like he's done anything wrong at all. And they're treating him this way. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes. This is interesting to me. Jesus makes this comment, which actually is fundamental to his perspective towards even those that are, that are not even offending him, those people that have physically beat him, physically hurling insults at him. I mean, doing all kinds of crazy, you think that's offensive? I think so. I think if, that's the, if, there's, a, if there's a pecking order of offense or like a, a list or, or even just like a, a, a levels one to 10, that's level 10. I mean, that's what they're doing to him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What if people who are doing things to us don't know it? What if there's a reality to the issue of ignorance? Sometimes we, you know, our heart is father for, you know, smite them for they should have known what they were doing, right? We, we have this, I think sometimes we have this misunderstanding and we think that people should know better. Well, they should have known. Yeah, they often don't. People don't often know. I've met so many people in my office as a pastor who are just ignorant and unaware of things because people have never told them. Even though everybody walks eggshells around that individual, people have never actually said that to them. And I think that's not right. The Bible says, speak the truth in love so that we all might grow up in Christ to him who is the head. Ephesians chapter four. I, I, I want to say this again. Speak the truth in love. We speak the truth, but we do it in love. I'm not talking about just getting stuff off of our chest. I'm talking about prayerfully and carefully. But if we don't speak the truth, if we're not willing to share these things and open our hearts about these things, I just think we're doing a profound disservice to ourselves and to others. But we've got to have this perspective that in the heart of Christ towards people that offend us, what does that look like? It means that we first understand that maybe people don't know what they're doing. Maybe when something offends us that the reality is they don't mean to. So we start there. We give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, we don't stay there because maybe they do know what they're doing. But right, that, right there in that moment, Jesus, he lives at a higher level. And I think all of us want to live at a higher level. But to live at a higher level, you have to have a higher truth. And the higher truth is what Jesus says. And Jesus is example for each one of us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Are we willing to endure suffering, are we willing to absorb offenses so that we can be the ministers, that the followers of Christ, ministers of Jesus to people in the world that they might know him better as a result of our life? Are we willing to do that? Or do we just want to be human beings 
that are saved and someday going to go to be with Jesus in heaven. We've got to make a decision, okay? But you can't, we can't have our cake and eat it too. We've got to decide either we're followers of Christ or we believe in Christ, but we follow ourselves. I mean, I know that, that probably punches you in the face this morning. God bless you. Hey, welcome to Friday morning. Amen. Thank God it's Friday. You're welcome for the nice slap in the face, spiritually speaking. I'm just having fun with you. See that? I just, amen. All right. Anyways, our forgiveness will flow out of our lives because of the way that we see people. We see people made in the image of God. We see people loved by God. We see God pursuing their hearts, and we see God using us to pursue their hearts. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I know that you, Father, desire for them to be saved. I know that you desire for them to know you, and maybe this moment that I'm being offended is actually an opportunity for them to see you the higher truth, the higher level of living, which is like Christ, maybe this is that. And I absorb it for your purposes and not just because I'm trying to be a pious Christian. There's higher purposes going on. Number four, we must become aware and take control of our internal dialogue. Now again, way before offenses ever manifest, we know that these things are going on in the heart. How are you feeling about a person? What's going on in your heart? Are you angry? Do you find yourself being judgmental? Are you criticizing someone in your heart? You say, Pastor Ben, I'm not saying anything. People don't know me to be this way. My question is, how's your heart? My question is, what's going on in here? Let's just be honest about that. Give that to the Lord. If what's going on inside you is not healthy, then you're at minimum going to stop what's supposed to come through you. Even if what's coming out of you isn't negative, bad, or offensive in like kind, it could be that you've stopped the flow, rivers of living water, of the Holy Spirit touching the lives of people around you. That love, that river of love, God's generosity, kindness, love, sharing of His Word and His good news, maybe that thing isn't happening because we've allowed these, these barriers to be built because we're offended and we've just not dealt with those things. And so we've got to become aware of our internal dialogue. It gives us clues as to what's really taking place or how we really are feeling. Now, feelings are not always, they're, they're real, but they're not always right. And they're not always truth. And so knowing our feelings is important. I was, you know, I feel like growing up and just living life, I wasn't, you know, your feelings aren't always validated. And sometimes you kind of hear, whether it's school or, or, or whatever, not today, but I just think, you know, as I was growing up, you kind of hear like, I'm sorry you feel that way or feelings aren't really that important. And it's kind of the Im implication that you get. Maybe not today. Today, it's like we're, we're over-validating feelings. So somewhere there's a middle ground where we've got to feel our feelings. We've got to acknowledge our feelings, deal with our feelings, understand what's going on in here. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm upset. You know, all of that. We've got to know what's going on inside so that we can take control of it. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to know what those things are. We just say, Father, I thank you that what's going on in me is not, it's not how I, it's how you created me. It's not what you have for me. And so we can have the power of the Holy Spirit, self-control. We can take control, not just over our actions, but also the meditations of our heart. It's really important for us to lay hold of that and realize that through our dialoguing with God, inviting Him into these spaces of our life, God will take authority over those things that are lesser and they're not actually um, in, kind, in like kind of how He is. Do you have judgments in your heart? Unhealthy thoughts, 
Are you carrying offense? That helps us to do what I said in number two, which is acknowledge. Number five, we must bless and pray for those that offend us. Jesus obviously said this more than once. Luke chapter six and verse 27. I say to you, um, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those that mistreat you. If you are offended at someone, pray for them. This is something that most of us do not do. We get offended and we turn the other way and we say bye <laughs> or whatever. We just avoid it or we just walk away or maybe we just say, Lord, just bless them. Just touch their lives, maybe, hopefully, in some way, you know, or at least make them repent, <laughs> whatever. We need to bless people, amen? We need to pray, God, I thank you that you chased me down and you didn't take no for an answer. Thank you that you set me free of my sin. Thank you, Lord, for my testimony, that it's really your testimony to your goodness and what you can do in someone's life that doesn't deserve it and could never earn it. Thank you for this person, Lord, that you would just chase them down and you would minister to their hearts. You would bring healing into their lives. You would provide for them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Help them to acknowledge that you are Lord in every area of their life. Thank you, Lord. Pour out your blessing on them. Lead them in the way everlasting, Lord. Show them your mercy and your kindness. Let them be overwhelmed with your presence. Pray that blessing over people. You People say, I don't know what to pray. Pray the word of God over people. Amen. Just start there. You don't have to come up with something eloquent or amazing or something that's you're the author of. We've already got so much in the Word of God. That's what we're following. That's what we're preaching. That's what we're praying. And so we just employ that in our prayer life over people that offend us. And here's what will happen. If you don't love your enemy, guess what? You start praying for them and you will start loving them because we automatically pray for people we love. When I, if I say to you, hey, I have like a distant cousin's relative, somebody that they met you know, at Walmart one day that got cancer, would you pray for them? You're like, sure, and maybe you'll pray for them right there. But that's somebody who's so distant from you and they're distant from me. You're not gonna remember to pray for them two months from now. But if your spouse or your loved one or your friend, your closest friend got cancer or was going through a difficulty, you're probably praying for them every day. Why? Because we pray for people that we love and people that we feel a burden for, people that we're deeply connected with. We don't pray for our enemies. All right, we don't bless our enemies. How then do we love our enemies? We're not gonna pray for them automatically if we don't love them like we do others, but flip the script. If you start praying for them, you will find that the love of God will rise up just like when you love people, you pray for them. But when you pray for them, you will start to love them. The same is true. And I have found this to be the case. God wants to do something significant inside of us, but faith, requires action. Not just quoting this verse, not just saying, listen, you should love your enemies. That's great that we can say it, but do we pray it? If we don't pray it, then it's not necessarily true. When people offend us, it may be something we can quote, but God wants us to go past the quote and he wants us to take it into prayer. When we pray, something spiritual happens, something powerful happens, and God wants to use that in our lives and he'll transform our hearts. And I've had this happen many times. There are people that I've been at odds with, people that have said horrible things to me, people that have judged me, people that have spun controversy, even in churches that I've been a part of. And I see those people when they come to a church service and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like what in the world? I don't wanna love on them. I don't wanna pray for them. I wanna see them exit. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying it nicely, okay, because here we are dealing with offense. But what we want to do when we see people, 
and they've spun controversy. They've said things. They've done things. Whatever. Pray for them. You feel that thing come up and you, you know, the, the thermometer rises. It just goes from 98.6. All of a sudden you're at 125 and you recognize it right there. Turn that into prayer. Right, right in that place. Father, I thank you for this person. Lord, maybe they don't know what they're doing. And in their ignorance, Lord, you're ministering to them like you do for me. Thank you, Lord, that you don't treat me according to my offenses, and I'm offensive towards you at times. My sin can grieve your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you overlooked that because I'm your son, and I pray for this person that you would bless, strengthen, and fill them with your Holy Spirit. I'm not going to judge them. You're the judge. You're the one that renders verdict on all of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that because of Christ, that I'm in the column of being right with you. And that this person, if they're not, I pray that they are. And if they are, I pray that they would have a life that is filled with your spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is good stuff. I'm teaching you good stuff today. This is awesome. This is Christian stuff. I think we say love your enemies and we act like that's going to be easy to do. I'm going to tell you this is hard to do. This will cost you your life. Remember what I said, Mark chapter 8, verse 34? Jesus said, you must deny yourself and carry your cross. You are not. I am not going to deal with offense if I don't die to self. The old has to die. And these are going to, I'm going to have the opportunities all of the time to die or to live in the flesh. Live by the spirit or live by the flesh. This is important. Dead people don't respond. They don't respond. And last and certainly not least, number six, we must build our, li- build our spiritual lives. What does that mean? We've got to build our lives on the word. We've got to build our lives in prayer. We've got to build our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm teaching you, you cannot do in your own strength. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That to me is anti-self-sufficiency. We cannot do things on our own like this. We have to humble ourselves to God, trust in his word, that his word is true. And I believe as we put our faith in his word, our actions can follow. What we believe matters because we live out of what we believe. And so what you believe matters. That's what we're fighting for right now. I am talking to you about how to deal with offense and I'm fighting for our belief system. This is all Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, will you and I be able to know and understand the will of God, that which is perfect and ple- good, perfect and pleasing, His will. We are not able to discern the voice of God, the will of God, if we are not being renewed in our mind. Our mind to what? His truth. His truth over everything else, over everything else that happens to us. Certainly these things happen to us, but they are not truth in our life. They're an event in our life. But an event should never have the power to change the truth. The truth is we're sons and daughters of God. The truth is Jesus is the example for our life. The truth is greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The truth is I can love my enemies and I can pray for those that despite that that mistreat me. The truth is, is that no matter what is against me, he is for me as long as I am in him and I'm following him. That's what it's all about. You have to, and I have to build my life on his word, build my life on his word. There's one battle to get free and it's another battle to stay free. Staying free means staying dead. 
When we stay dead to the flesh, we are alive to God in Christ. Build our lives on his word. Build our lives on the power of his Holy Spirit. And I believe that a life built on the word and the spirit, as we live before the Lord in prayer, I believe that we're going to be free of offenses. Now, that sounds simple, but we got to keep talking about some of the practicality that Luke 17 talks about, Matthew chapter 18 talks about, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about. We'll first talk about how we deal with offenses in the church, practically speaking, and then we're going to talk about how we deal with offenses in the world. That'll be a little controversial. I'm looking forward to that conversation. As usual, I'm not afraid of the harder conversations, and so I won't back down. If you do have questions about any of this stuff, please email me, Ben at nwcfoursquare.org, ben at nwcfoursquare.org. I would love to answer your questions because the truth is my passion is to help people know Christ, grow in Christ, and make Christ known. That's my vision in life. That's the highest thing that we're called to, and that's what it's all about. Let's not let offenses have any bandwidth in our life. They don't deserve any room in our soul. They don't deserve any part of us, right? Jesus deserves it all. Jesus, have it all. Have all of my heart. Let nothing have anything else in me. He has an answer for it. He has the power to help us overcome it. And that's why we're focusing on it. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. And let's just press in. If God wants to bring something up in our hearts, great. We're not digging around for it. That's not. We focus on old things have passed away. Behold, all, all things are new in Christ. But there are times where the Holy Spirit will put his finger on something in our soul. And he wants to deal with it. What do you do? You give it to him. Father, thank you for showing me that. I give that to you right now in Jesus' name. Take that in, in exchange, Lord. Replace it with something better. Plant the fruit of the Spirit in my heart. And Lord, remove that from me. Thank you, Lord, that your blood, your precious blood, cleanses me from all sin and unrighteousness. You don't got to dig around for that thing. But you do have to forgive people. So if the Lord shows you somebody, forgive them just as he has forgiven you. So forgive them, just right then and right there. We do something first with vertically with God and then horizontally with others. Father, thank you that you've forgiven me. I now forgive that person and I bless them in Jesus' name because that's what you've done for me. So let's just pray and press into this and see what God will do just, just for a moment. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. And as we seek to deal with offenses in our life, we, we do so with you as our example. Jesus, thank you that you came among us, you lived on this earth for 33 years, and you showed us a pattern, a way to live as a great example for us. Thank you for your words that lead us forward into the life that we live, in the world that we live, and your words ring true today, just like they did when you said them. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us today, that we could face anything that happens. There are people all over the world facing harder things than we can imagine. But Lord, you pay special attention to each thing in our lives and you help us walk through it. And I pray today that you would continue to show us things in our life that are hindering us. If there isn't anything there, Lord, thank you for that, that our hearts are clean. Keep us clean through the Holy Spirit. Keep us connected to your word. Keep us connected to you in prayer. I pray for that, Lord. Help us to bless people around us, to share the life of Christ with them, the love of Jesus with them. But I pray, God, if there's something there, that is hindering us, if there's an offense that we have, if we feel the sting of it, I pray that you would purify us and cleanse us from it. We don't want it anymore. And I pray if it's in a marriage, if it's with children, if it's with moms and dads, if it's with coworkers or friends, if it's with churches and pastors, anybody around us, I pray, God, that you would deal with that in our hearts because we want to be free. We want to be like you. So right now, Holy Spirit, reveal if there's something there 
that we need to do, there's someone there that we need to forgive, or if there's something that we need to make right. Maybe we've offended someone, and instead of just dealing with the offenses that come against us, maybe we've created some for others. Would you teach us right now or tell us, speak to us about what that is and where to go and who to talk to? Help us to be obedient to what you show us. And we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.